Welcome, welcome. I'm your host Stefano and this is When Leaders Talk, a podcast about leadership, but most importantly about leaders. And when we talk about leaders, we have always have to consider one absolutely true fact, that is no leaders can be an effective one if he or she do not lead themselves first. And that's when the concept or personal leadership comes in. And to be good in leading ourselves, to be good at taking charge of your life, you need some qualities, you need some skills, you need endurance, you need to be fearless. And this is something we talk about with Rishikesh Tirumala, or Rishi as um, it's easier to call him. Rishi is a special person. He's a great human being. I had the opportunity to work with him a little bit in uh, in the few weeks ago, and that's how we met. And there was soon a connection. Rishi is very open about the story and about the transformation he's going through. You will hear in this in, the, in this interview the struggle he's going through, and actually the struggles he had to go through before reaching the position where he is now. Rishin was recently laid off by one of those tech companies. And since then, he has been able to reinvent his life. Not through, not, it was not easy for him. I mean, he had to go through some difficulties. He had to go through depression, but he was able to look at the despair and take strength from it to be where he is now. And then he's now in a cocoon, he's looking at transformation. And uh, he's ready to use his skills as an artist, his skills as an artist in improvisation, especially, to um, dance in the moment, adapt to the situation, and start something new. Something new that actually is evolving continuously. You know, when I asked him about his vision, Rich told me that basically. This is something that changes every every month. That's what he said. And that, that's, that's a lot of bravery in those words. Rishi um, also talked about his biggest failure in life and how he struggled with some problems with alcohol, more than once, actually. And he will tell us what is doing to be to, to stay on the right track to stay sober for almost two years now so once again congratulations rishi on this near achievement and um, well there is a lot more i want to really want you to listen and listen actually is one of the words we use most uh, a lot of times in this conversation because the listening is important it's important to be able actually to improve improvise so I wanted to listen to this conversation because there are a lot of a lot of insights and what makes this conversation very special and different from any other episode of this podcast is actually the fact that we stay in a very personal level. There is a lot of intimacy in in the conversation that we have. Well. I hope this make you makes you curious enough to keep listening to this episode 
And before leaving you to Rishi, uh, let me remind you, me remind you that you can follow me on social media and I will put the links uh, in, the, in the, uh, the description. But also, if you want more information about coaching, you can uh, go to masteryourc.com. And with no further ado, Rishi. Thank you, Rishi, for being here with us. Hey, nice to be here. Nice to see you. Right. So first of all, let me let me say something about me and Rishi, because actually we met virtually, <laughs> virtually mm -hmm. um, a few weeks ago uh, during a, a coaching training. He's a coach like myself. And uh, I think there was quite a a quick connection, right? We were able to connect quite quickly and uh, you will discover what an amazing human being is. And uh, he has a lot of a lot of things going on in his life. And uh, still is, uh, yeah, I really, I really like him. So that's why I'm very happy to have you here with us. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's, let's roll. Okay, Rishi. And uh, this podcast is all about leadership and personal leadership. And I think mm -hmm. you have very interesting stories to tell. And, uh, but once, uh, the, the, the question that I always ask you, the, the, the initial question is about the definition of leadership. If you have any definition of leadership. Yeah. Let me take a moment. Um, I, my definition has shifted over the years. So this is a, a snapshot of today. So I, I think leadership is about accessing inside of yourself what you believe to be true. And maybe that's about integrity. Maybe that's about relationships. Maybe that's about inspiration. I don't know. But to access that and to express it fearlessly. Okay. So it's more like a internal discover. Well... I, I think it's twofold. The discovery is important. You need to know what you believe, but but I think the action is also significant because leadership is just leadership is like uh, who you are alone and who you are with others. Right? You can be right. a leader for yourself, and you can be a leader for a group or for even for a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And I think accessing that is just half of it. Once you know what it is you want to do, like doing doing it, and I I really want to highlight doing it fearlessly. Because I think leaders are those who say, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do this without expecting, without looking back, who's following me, who's, who's, um, who's judging me or who's approving of me. Hmm. Okay. Well, I have a, um, I'm interested in this definition. It's very different from what I heard in previous episodes. And it's very, it's more like looking inward than looking at mm -hmm. our, because most of the people will define leadership based on the relationship with others. Mm -hmm. And actually what I like about your definition is, is a different level, is a different dimension, if you want. As, as I say, it is really uh, intimate journey, if you want. So mm -hmm. how do you actually get in touch with this inner you? Yeah. What, are, what are the things that you can do, you know, also because it's not easy. It's easy to say, you know, and then we can talk about it for hours, I guess, on a podcast and you can listen or read books. But at the end of the day, to do that, you need, you need to be able 
to really uh, dig inside of you. So what are the techniques, skills, or methods, if you want, that you think a person needs to, to get there? Yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I can share probably tens of practices that I have for this. Not that I ever thought of this as my leadership practice, but just as you ask the question, I'm like, oh yeah, this is what helps me access that. But I, I think a, a critical one is taking the time to listen. And um, I think maybe the in the some of the previous answers you've heard about the relational side of leadership, maybe you hear about listening to people um, and, and having that making space for those conversations or for feedback or uh, I don't know. But but I guess I'm also talking about making space to listen to yourself uh, and maybe asking yourself a question that where you don't know the answer yet. So asking, what do I truly believe? But but not letting yourself have the answer, letting yourself discover the answer. Okay, so we're talking about self-reflection and... Yeah, finding... maybe self-discovery. Yeah, self-discovery. Um, okay, yes. Um, but I and think there's is... another element. Yeah, if I could please. share one more thing. I, I, also, I think there's also something about being comfortable saying no uh, and like being able to say like once once you have a sense of your integrity uh, for me a big practice has been learning to protect it uh, and this is I mean I think this reflects just what I had to go through in my own journey being somebody who said yes to everything I think there are some people they're comfortable saying no and their journey is to learn how to say yes but my journey was to learn how to say no and your journey is very peculiar, and we will go to it in a little um, later. Sure. But let me let me go back to your definition because another word that you stress a lot was the go in the war fearlessly, right? You just Fearless, get yeah. there, right? Um, so what do you mean by that? What is what is this this yeah. uh, being without fear that you yeah. know? I guess I want to clarify that fearless for me doesn't mean that you don't experience fear. Uh, mm -hmm. I okay. So this is a quote from Game of Thrones, or from yeah, from the books and the movies uh, and the show. It's like um, something about bravery, and it's Ned Stark, the protagonist of the first book, and he's like, "You can only be brave when you're afraid," and that's like that's I that's stayed with me ever since I first read it because this, yeah, this is uh, fearlessness. Fearlessness is I don't think about being. Uh, completely dissociated from fear or emotion or just, you know, forging ahead. It's actually about listening to the fear and asking, what is this telling me? What what can I learn? And then doing it anyways. Or, right. or maybe feeling the, the, the strength or the power of your, what you need to do so strongly that you're going to do it despite the fear. And and what what inside yourself is that powerful? And I, I For me, it's not that it was never there. It was that it was there and I wasn't looking at it i wasn't listening to it so once i tuned in i was like holy shit i have to keep doing this i have to keep pursuing this regardless of the fear um and then i think that's what's funny is that there there are greater and greater fears as you pursue like what i'm pursuing right now in my life i notice that i have more and more fear as i strive for a more ambitious rendition of myself and that is I don't know. I am I being a leader? I don't know. But that's what I think what it means to be fearless is to to actually uh, 
accept and then move forward with the fear. Right. This to learn how to deal with it, not to, and not to get stuck, not to get stopped by fear. Just, mm -hmm. I like when you say, when you say that you, you move forward, you just keep going and you learn from that. So can I ask you, what is your biggest fear right now? Right now, I think I'm I'm emerging like from a cocoon of something new, uh, a new career and a new, uh, like a new me, basically something that's been in the works for a long time, maybe ten years, and I'm afraid of giving up some of the comforts of what I had. Like mm. I think some sometimes it can be like. Uh, even like the way in which I used to earn money, that's one of the comforts I've I've kind of given up. Another one is relationships, certain relationships, and and for people that I call family. I think I'm I'm learning to accept that those relationships have to be different for me to pursue what I want. Um, and I'm afraid. I'm totally afraid of one that I'm going to lose all these things. And two, I'm going to lose all these things and look back and, and maybe I would say it wasn't worth it. Well, we don't control the outcome of the choices that we make. Even if we do make choices, you know, we don't have control yeah. of 90% of the things that happen around yeah. us. So, uh, and I totally understand. And I share actually, I would say some of the things that you said, and that's, that's interesting because we both are in, uh, uncharted waters, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for us, but this podcast is not about me, it's about you. So uh, let me, let me say that just to explain to the listeners, you know, you've been quite recently laid off by one of those tech companies was uh, mm -hmm. Substack, right? So you mm -hmm. find yourself in a short time uh, without the job that probably has characterized the last years of your life. Um, what does it take to get on your feet again, face your fear and walk? Yeah. For me, it takes turning towards the despair. So I I felt, and, and I, I don't think you know this, Stefan. What happened was I lost my job on a Monday. I lost my grandmother on a Friday, Thursday, actually, the that same week. And then the following Monday, I fell off a bike and I broke my front two teeth. And I started to go into oral surgery the, the next months. And I, um, yeah, I just, I, I was, it was the most, I think, significant upheaval that I had in my life in one, in one week. And I felt angry about the layoffs. I felt humiliated. I felt lonely I I felt lonely for my grandmother passing away and I felt 
I also, with her, I felt relief. And with my job also, I felt relief. But but it's complex. And I, you know, I also started to feel grief. I started to know grief in a way I never knew before. And then I lost my friend to teeth and I felt feeble. I felt fragile. And actually the following, I had a big project that I was working on one month after all of this. And I completed that. And then I immediately descended into what I would call a depressive season few months of just one needing a lot of rest but two feeling so guilty about it feeling like this is the chance for me to really take control of my life to take charge all these things as a coaching career art career all, all these things I told myself when I'm not working the nine to five tech job I have room to pursue these things and I wasn't doing it I was just stuck and that created a cycle and I was more and more and I had some I had some good friends one friend who he just looked at my situation and he said I think you're describing depression and that was a big unlock for me to realize that I can I can say this is happening and then another friend who said you your system is asking for rest like depression is the need for deep rest and Sometimes friends would just come and hold me and just people would check in. And I, the more I accepted this was happening, the more I turned towards the despair, the more I felt, yeah, this is okay. This is normal. Not it's acceptable or like I want it, I guess, but it's, 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 I'm not alone. And not just, am I not alone? I'm, I'm, this is life too. This can be beautiful too. And yeah, I couldn't even tell you when or how things started to change. I think one of the unlocks was to learn about grief and like, like learn about my own grief rather and what it is I was holding and allowing myself to grieve, not just the loss of my grandmother, but the loss of my previous life because I was so scared about everything. Like I was at that time I was working on the coaching stuff and I was ready to start ex receiving, working with clients. And, and I was afraid to say like, I'm ready to be accountable to people again, because if I started to take clients, I knew I would have to be accountable to them. And it was interesting to realize I wasn't afraid of the failure that I, no one would work with me or that I would, I, I never considered that I would improperly serve a client or that I would do wrong by a client. It was always, am I ready? Can I right now take this on? Can I be here for people the way I would want to as a coach? And once I learned that, it actually became much easier to accept like, oh yeah, I can, yeah, I, I do want accountability. I do want structure. And I, yeah, I refer back to that period because immediately after, and I, it's not so quick, like it wasn't such a zero to one. It was, you know, very gradual. But if I look back like one month after sort of what I would call the depressive season, things were very different. I had energy and I was really putting that energy towards the reconstruction of my life and the construction of a new life. But 
that period of time I actually consider as essential because that's where I where I love the monster to come out and play the monster under the bed and that's all part of me the despair is part of me and the hopelessness and I think maybe just like with bravery like you can't feel hopeful unless you know hopelessness like Thank yeah. you for sharing this. No, thank you for sharing this. I think I think is uh, there are a lot of important lessons to take, um, and I um, really like the way you were able to find a rope to climb again from the cliff. You know, you found yourself, and now, as you say, you are a cocoon, right? So you are in a, an evolution phase ready to become a beautiful butterfly <laughs> a butterfly yeah. and uh, so what kind of butterfly you, you want to be if a butterfly whatever <laughs> what, what is what is your vision what is that you want to you want to achieve in the in, in your future but you yeah. say something and you already say that you know serving others you know like being able be accountable to serve others mm -hmm. what, what else what else is your vision yeah the 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 coaching side is is becoming more and more clear i've been working with clients since december and it's it's obvious that will be there and the the new the cocoon i'm in now that that sort of transformation is more about pursuing art mm. and and i i for many years have been excited to pursue art i i had this vision and I, you know i started to i'll i'll i don't want to thread everything in together so i for many years was, you know, I was, I was going to galleries and looking at what artists were doing and I would jot down ideas for myself. Like, what am I, what am I creating? What could it be? And like, if I had more resources or if I had more um, support or if, you know, if somebody was willing to take a chance on me, like basically like waiting for somebody else to call me an artist. But at the same time, I also started to draw and to make art and, uh, and to just to explore myself creatively and to make art with other people and, at some point now where I am, I realize like it's not it's not about anyone else. And that's the I think that's the cocoon is to look at myself and say, I'm gonna push this forward. So as an artist, it's like I'm going to create and and reveal what's here. And the the role other people have is they can choose to engage with it or they cannot. They can see it as beautiful or inspiring or important, or they cannot. But reversing the reversing the order, and that's very scary for me. Like all of a sudden, now my creativity is on display. My skills. Um, am I am I, you know am I good enough to be called an artist? Am I am I committed enough? Um, those are questions. Uh, right. Are you good enough? Well, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess the imposter syndrome is something characterized mm -hmm. probably 90% of the people mm -hmm. <laughs> and those who do not yeah. have it's probably they should, <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, and there, there is, a. I, I can really track some of my story to what you're saying, and it's, um, I I feel it when you when you yeah. share your yeah. your experience. 
Well, but you're an artist. I'm not. I'm, I'm not an artist at all. Um, how art comes into play in your personal leadership? What is the artsy yeah. part of you? How how is this important in your in your transformation? Actually, not not just in the transformation, but it's taking charge of your life. That's that's important. Yeah. Yeah, this is fun. So, okay, so I'm an improviser. All of my art, my art practices are related to being an improviser. So this is, you know, I learned, I grew up playing music. I first learned about improvisation and performance through the framing of music. And um, and then I got into improv acting and like comedy, uh, not like stand-up comedy, but more just on a stage improvising the scene together. And then I got into improvising visual art. So my drawings are all improvised. I don't I don't know what I'm going to draw until I draw it. Um, some people would also think of that as process art. But um, at some point, I realized there's a common thread to all of this, which is that improvising is a skill. It's not about doing... Uh, it's not about just saying, I'm going to do whatever. Yes, you have to get messy. You have to be open to whatever can happen but you know with music you're playing in a jazz ensemble you know the chords or maybe you're learning how to listen you're learning how to react to what's happening and the same uh, is happening in acting it's like somebody makes an offer so somebody says how was your day today and okay now you you're in a scene with the other person and they have asked you how was your day maybe they're you are living together or maybe they're your parent or maybe they, they, there's an assumption of care and you can play with that and add to the scene there. And with drawing, I didn't know how that would come about. But what I realized was I would draw a circle. There, I, all of my drawings are mandalas. So I'd draw a circle and then I would just release what I needed to onto the page. And only after looking at the drawing, I would be like, oh, wow, that's an image I saw two days ago. Or I just captured this feeling I had right now. And so I was reacting to my own life. And, and throughout all of this, there's a common thread, which is the relationship between structure and improv. The structure informs the improvisation. And I've learned one of the best ways to create an improvised, like a, a moment of improvised beauty is to create the structure and then play inside the structure, like almost like, you know, kids in a sandbox. You make the sandbox and then anything can happen in there. It's a, it's kind of a magical world. Um. And you asked me about this in leadership in my life and what I've learned I do. And I think this is somewhat unique, but but it's something that I really, maybe if I had a message, it would be to encourage others to play with this. Um, I've learned how to improvise my own life. And by that, I mean, oh. No, 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 it's okay. I mean, what I, what I was going to say, well, I see that as also a way to adapt, right? To adapt to whatever is happening to you and face yeah. the challenge. I mean, as you said earlier, not just stop uh, somewhere, but actually see that as an opportunity for something new and unexpected, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean... I think it's a, a little bit of seeing something new and discovering the unexpected, and it's a little bit about listening more deeply to what's already there. Like we we exist in a period of of tremendous uncertainty, um, and I think that we we always do. It's it's not that 
it's 2023 is a unique year. I think it's uncertainty is always there. And I, my practice of improvising my life is about tuning myself to the uncertainty to ask what, what am I learning here? What am I discovering about myself and about the world? And, and I think, yeah, maybe 2023, we can say it's in the tech industry where I come, where I, my career was, there are more layoffs than ever before. It's a whole new, it's a whole new landscape. So there are many more people who are now tuning into uncertainty. And when you tune into uncertainty, I think you have the choice to um, to say, okay, let me grasp for what I used to have or what the status quo was before. Um, and, you know, you and I call this dancing through, through coaching, right? It's like, all right, what's, what music is being played now? what's the time signature what's what's the style and then finding a way to dance and, and i guess being bad at it a little bit for a while before you get your legs um yeah for me i i, I grew up with a pretty unstable environment like my family life was pretty unstable and um, i moved between countries a couple of times so i i didn't always have like a refuge of one particular place or one particular context. So I had to learn how to take refuge in the moment, like the exact moment. And yeah, so my way of doing that is listening, improvising, dancing. So the connection between my, my take to, um, from this is that the connection between improvisation and listening is that you want to really listen to what's happening around you. As we always say in, in coaching, you know, there are three levels of listening. The one, the level one is the inner listening. So you listen to yourself. The second level is you listen to the person who's speaking to you. And the third level is kind of listening the whole environment around, around you, around the person you're talking to. And I guess to be able to improvise, you need to listen everything that is around you. And that's the key to be able to dance in the moment. Um, yeah. There is a lot, yeah. <laughs> and those are those are beautiful lessons that I hope people that has been recently laid off, you know, from those company could take and, and understand. And of course, it requires some practice, I guess, some, some exercise. And nothing yeah. comes spontaneously unless you are a gifted person um i don't know if, if you are or not but what what are the the, the <laughs> things that you can do to listen to be able yeah. to improvise and dance in the moment well i i want to address i want to address that question i also i think because you mentioned that there are many people who might be listening who are recently laid off or there may be a few people and, and i i think i want to be clear that some choices are harder to make than others like people have dependents like they they have people who rely on them their children or their parents and they have um they have commitments and i think that for me the role of improv is not to to throw everything into the air and let's dance it's like where are we playing now and i think this is also an act of listening like it's about asking yourself i think what i said earlier right asking yourself a question without knowing the answer that's that's a good start 
Yeah, uh, uh, let me let me stop you here because you say something. You know, earlier you said that improvisation comes with a structure, right? It's not like you you mm -hmm. improvise without a structure. So of course, mm -hmm. you might have a structure that is made of a family. You, know, you, you might have two kids, a wife, or a, a husband, or a partner. You might have uh, you know something else that is your structure, but you st can still find fun energy in improvising mm -hmm. within this what you call the yeah. sandbox and i like the sandbox because the sandbox is recalls like a safe is a safe environment right yeah yeah and yeah i think the other thing is that improvisation requires safety like you need to feel mm. comfortable going to the outlandish i mean i think a lot of what imp a lot of improv troops they get to know each other by building safety like we we used to do something like Whenever somebody made a mistake, we would all put our hands up and say, hooray, like you did it to celebrate because making a mistake means you tried something new. Um, you mean also, we need, basically, it's, it's, a, it's a building trust, a strong trust. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mm. yeah, what I like about this is letting your body know, because our bodies often tell us you were wrong before our minds do. Uh, <laughs> And so kind of saying to the body, like, no, we, we, we celebrate this. And, and I think that's something, you know, if nothing else, you can learn to do that in your, at home, in your families, celebrating mistakes, celebrating, trying something new. It can just be, I cooked something new today, or I drew, I, I made a drawing and I've never drawn before, or I, um, I took myself on a different route walking home. And I think those small moments of wonder accumulate up to, you know, a life of wonder. But at some point, you might need to get a step off the, uh, the sandbox. <laughs> at some point, you might need to get off this safety area, this, I don't want to mm -hmm. call it comfort zone, because I'm not talking, we're not talking about comfort, we're talking about safety. But Mm -hmm. probably there, there are moments in which you actually need to uh, look outside and being able to improvise within a looser structure mm -hmm. well you know, you know what's interesting is because you mentioned the difference between safety and comfort there's two frameworks like one framework we're talking about safety feels more like a binary it's like you're safe or you're unsafe right and then I think with comfort, there's this educational principle of like comfort zone, stretch zone, panic zone. Some people call the stretch zone, the learning zone, but comfort is when things are good and, and it's okay to stay in the comfort zone because maybe that's where it's warm. That's where you're, where you feel safe. But I find the stretch zone to be the place where you're doing something new and you're also safe, where you're exploring, where you're, where you're learning, where where you might make a mistake and you can get feedback and then you can learn from that or you can grow from that. And I think another active listening, another tool, because you're asking me for tools, right? Another tool is to, to notice which zone am I in right now? Not to put yourself in the zone, but just to notice like, okay, I'm trying something new. I'm in the stretch zone. Cool. Let's keep trying. Or I notice I'm in the panic zone now. I need to take a step back. I need to chill. Because if I'm in the panic zone and I'm pushing myself, then maybe I'm not going to be able to learn anything. It might, it might be, it might be what what hurts me more in the long term. Hmm. I can see that. 
Uh, I, I, yeah, of course. Panic but, is bring bring stress, and stress doesn't bring the the kind of sharp mind that you need you know, mm -hmm. at, the, at the point. You mentioned failures, and um, how important it is to learn from failures. Is there any event in your life that you want to share that is one of your most important failures? And actually, the what I really would like to hear from you is how you dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is going to get a little heavy. Um, I think one of my greatest failures in life is waiting too long to address my relationship with alcohol. And um, I knew... I, I was started to drink. I was a little bit late to the party for American standards. And I think from a European standard, it's going to be even late. I started drinking at, at 20. Um, but I also had this compressed idea. I was like, drinking is cool. People who drink are cool. And, and we have to not just drink, we have to binge drink. We have to go for blackout. And I lived like this for maybe eight or nine years. Um, I would say that, yeah, it's actually not that much time. Some people have that for a much longer time. But I, in those, in that time, I, I had all kinds of experiences. I obviously had some positive experiences with drinking that made me reinforce the idea this is good. This is what makes me accepted or loved by other people. But also learning that someday I would wake up and I wouldn't feel great. I would think, did I do something last night? I'd feel anxious. Or sometimes for many months, every time I drink, I would feel anxious. What did I do last night? Um, there would be moments where I didn't remember and somebody later would tell me, like, you punched me. That was intense. That was a time where I had to really be humble and say, wow, that's, and, you know, I didn't want to, I, I couldn't imagine that I'd punched someone. I, I'm not, I'm not a confrontational person, but that happened. And like that, I, I started to think maybe it would be better if I didn't drink. And the first time I didn't, I made it just seven months. It was pre I was pretty proud of myself. I thought, all right, I'm good. Went back to drinking. And then um, after a couple of years, I again hurt somebody very close to me, somebody that I really admired and someone I really cared about. And, and I hurt them in a way that I think the relationship is not going to recover. Um, I took, I did, you know, after some time, I took the time to apologize and, and I received an acknowledgement about the apology. But what I realize is that that is irreversible. And even so, I think, again, I made it nine months. And then I started to drink again. And then again, I heard somebody. This time, somebody even closer to me. And this time, the person said, I'm going to stick around until you figure this out. Like, uh, they said, you, you, you have to quit drinking for us to be in a relationship. But they also, you know, alongside that, they said, we're going to be in a relationship. And I, at that point, I thought, this is the moment. Like, I can't, I can't fuck around anymore. Um, but yeah, I look back on that and I think it was a failure because I failed. And I don't, fr frankly, I don't think of a lot of things as failure. I think of a lot of things as experiments. If you learn something, so be it. But this example, I learned it. I learned the lesson over and over and I still didn't, you know, take it in. Um, and I guess while I'm talking about this, I guess I want to share because 
for anyone who's listening to this and feels like they have a relationship with a substance or an addiction or something that they struggle. Like I, I think that there's no wrong time to try to try a different path. And I frankly, there's a part of me that believes that each of those moments where I, each of those attempts to go sober was, you know, building strength for the final one. And I, who knows if this is the final one I'm coming up, I will be, it will be two years in July, but you know, my hope is that it will be two decades and it will be the rest of my life. But if it's not like, it's just me building strength for the next one. Um, and, and it's okay to take two days off. It's still, that's still two days of sobriety. Yeah. You're muted, Stefano. Yeah, I'm sorry. I say thank you for sharing and congratulations on your two years mm. mark that is getting closer. Mm -hmm. um, and then what I heard is that you, you had someone actually helping you a little bit getting sober, but what else did you need to reach this, this mm -hmm. result? I think it's kind of scary to say because I don't, I don't know fully if it's true. So I'm going to say it with the caveat, but I think I needed to, I, I think I needed to see the impact of my drinking. Hmm. Like I needed to feel the pain that I had hurt somebody in the way that I did to really, to take it seriously. And I, I don't really want to say like that person needed to feel pain. Because I, that's, that's, that's like, that's just inappropriate. The, no one deserves to experience the things that happen to them in these kinds of contexts. And especially the people that I've hurt, they don't deserve those things. Not at all. And I also feel that, but I, I needed to know about pain. Like I needed to be okay that I had caused pain. And maybe if earlier in my life I had turned towards pain more, quickly or more with more uh, of an openness then maybe I wouldn't be drinking so much because I could have, instead of drinking, I would have said, I'm angry or I would have said, I'm hurt or I'm sad. But it was, it was, I think it's the same thing I said earlier about the, when I got laid off and when I went through the depression, just um, turning towards the despair. Okay, let's let's try to <laughs> uplift this conversation a little bit. Do you want to uh, shake? Should we shake? Let's shake, let's shake, let's shake. Let's shake. Yeah. Um, no, no, actually, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a great sharing, you know, and there are a lot of things you're saying that um, I'm sure a lot of people relate to, and those are so useful to so many levels. For those who are going through a laid off, for those who are going through a transformation in their life, or for those who are struggling with some addiction of any sort, mm -hmm. um, and um, your bravery in sharing your experience is such an invaluable and it's so precious and 
I'm so grateful you're you're doing this so openly. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not over yet. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, let me ask you this. Um, if you had to project yourself in, in uh, I don't know, five years from now, who's mm -hmm. going to be Richie in four, five years from now? Who are you going to be? Yeah. It's funny, you can ask me this question every month this year, January through May, and you would get a different answer. So this, <laughs> okay, is the answer. The... <laughs> this is the answer for me. No, I'll, I'll tell you what I imagine. It's just, hopefully some of this is still alive, right? That's, I've been saying that time is the great distiller of truth. Mm -hmm. So whatever is, whatever is swirling around in me this year, five years from now, that whatever's still there, that's going to be the, what's true, right? That, that, that's really important that, that really I prioritize and my, my hope is that I'm making more art I'm I, I'm performing with people and not yeah in particular with people because a lot of my art I do on my own um I also hope to be doing some kind of education and I don't know if this means I'll be in a teacher in a classroom I might be somebody who's just sharing art with others my, my vision is to be inspiring other people to be creative on their on their own and, and with other people too and i think that i have people around me like relationships around me where we can really be honest with each other like we have conflict and it's okay or we or we um we are building a life of like integrity for me integrity is about listening to myself and letting the relationship trusting the relationship to hold what's alive and yeah i'll i'll leave it there no no you can keep going I mean, no. the image i have is like a family and i i don't think of just my family but I think my the people in my family are there, but that but family is very important. Yeah, and, and we come together not just because of our backgrounds, but because of who we choose to be with each other. And the family gives us the chance to be who we want to be. The vision is a kind of a destination if you want, right? So is the place mm -hmm. where you're you're going yeah and what is your north star in this journey what's keeping you on track for me it's leading with emotion i'm a pretty sensitive person i feel things pretty sensitively like I, something happens and I have an emotional reaction and as I learn to listen to my emotions better and to tune them in rather than tuning them out I notice that I'm more sensitive than I was before and I think of this sensitivity as my strength it's it's my it's my like unique power so listening to it letting other people in allowing other people to share their emotion with me, tuning in to each other. These are the things that are going to help me go where I'm going. 
emotions is something that nowadays a few people are willing to deal with. That's what I find, especially when I talk to people. And a lot of people are projecting, doing, moving, you know, and even when they, when you ask, okay, what, what is the, you were feeling at the moment? They, they are, they, or what are you feeling right now? They always go into, oh, I feel like I want to do this. I feel like I need to do that. And it is never really an emotion. It's more like mm -hmm. the, the, the pulls to act. Mm -hmm. Why we forget how important emotions are in our balance and in our being human in our dealing dealing with everything not just other people but with everything in our life it can be an event can be a situation can be another person can be an animal or whatever you know it's even with time itself emotions acknowledging emotions is such an important thing yeah. Um, do you have, do you have a, a person or more than one that you admire and you think, oh, this is the kind of a person I really would like to be a part of it, of course, you know, hundred percent, but you yeah. know, the, the kind of inspiration. Yeah. There are a couple of artists. And... Okay. There are a couple of artists. Yeah. Um, you want to name them? <laughs> yeah, I think the one, the person I want to name is Riz Ahmed. Okay. He's a um, Pakistani-British um, musician, rapper, actor, filmmaker. Um, but it, it's, for me, what, what I like about his work is that he really ex exposes himself and his cultural context and his community. And he's just saying, like, there's real stuff happening and this is what it is and yeah actually i had this when i was working with my own coach like my, my coach asked like who's your role model or who are your role models and i thought of him immediately and you know as an artist he's just he's just putting himself out there he's growing his artistry he's been doing this for many years like he's he's fearless and i think anyone in the who's listening to this who who's in the sort of south asian community i think He's not so far away. Like many of us look up to him. Many of my my friends and peers see him as like a very, very positive influence. But yeah, like you said, it's a part of them. As, as with public figures, you never know what's really going on. Um, so the thing I choose to take is sort of his his willingness to to exp express emotion and his fearlessness. And once again, the fearless part comes out <laughs> is, is the right, the right, it's, it's like a circle in a good way. And then we mm -hmm. are back to your definition of leadership. And then that's what I like. Mm. And that's, I think is the right way to go through our last question mm -hmm. and is, you know, and let me let me more be more specific on this because normally I ask more generically. But actually, I think I think one important thing I want to ask you is, um, and we have not prepared this so <laughs> like any okay. anything else. But I really say it as as it comes out of you. But you know, let's say someone or those people has been laid off come to you and say, "Hey, Rishi, I I want to." 
I want to be the cocoon you are. I want to I wanna become a butterfly like you are planning to do. Yeah. I want to learn improvisation. I want to learn how to get in touch with emotions. I want to learn basically to take charge of my life and be a better leader for myself. Yeah. What do I need to do, Rishi? What is there I need to develop or improve? <laughs> I think I said it already. I mean, okay. Uh, I think it's about li listening. It's it's really. Um, when I was in, I took a musical improv class at university, and there was a um, one of the teachers. He continued to share with us. He was like, "All you have to do is listen to Sun Ra. Sun Ra has a song called Space is the Place.'" And he would say, "Space is the place." And whenever we were we were coming together to make music together. It was a bunch, there was all kinds of different musicians. I think 12 musicians with all kinds of instruments. You'd never see them in an ensemble together before. And at the beginning, it was chaos. Everybody playing at the same time, everybody trying to bring in their their magic. And we started to learn and integrate spaces as the place over time. And that just means taking time, listening, choosing your moment wisely. Like if you're playing the whole time, then you're not listening as much. And when you listen and you hear what music is being made, then you can come in and add something. And I just remember one moment where I, I took, I was on my saxophone and I just took the song to a whole different height, went into this really high note. And I was like, I can do that. And I, it wasn't me. It was the collective energy giving, riding me, like, like working through me. And that was, that was because I gave space. And I listened. So I mean, I, I I think of being laid off as as especially for those who get a severance. I, I think this is the time one of the for many people, the first time they're getting paid with nothing to do. And and some people will choose to look for a job that looked the same as the previous job. And you know, I don't fault that choice. I actually think that it can be very strategic. But I also say, like, now that you have some space, like what 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 can happen? If you just listen, like I, I started to draw when I had nothing else going on. I was just feeling inspired and I, I was, I just decided I can do this and I started to do it. And I, the thing is, I couldn't tell anyone what their thing is. Only, only, you know, so uh, maybe the way to get there is to give yourself more space. And that means getting out of the sandbox or designing another sandbox. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I think it, it, it's about figuring out what is your sandbox. Right. Like, and how much time are you going to give yourself? And what are, are you going to stay in your routine? How will you break the routine? How will you, what will be different because you have this time? And, and, and yeah, maybe I, no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe I, I want to say like don't don't miss this opportunity. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. This is a unique opportunity. 
Absolutely, and of course, you know, let me let me add this is this is a this is a lesson that um, you learn on your skin. It might be not the same for anyone else. Um, mm -hmm. Someone might be actually so proud of what they have they don't want to change and that's fine as well you know and then that's is a choice and the most important part of it i think is to make the choice that resonates the most with you i know it can be exploring new opportunities and take time as you said to think and learn and listen or just follow the path that you you're on because you like it you love it and and, and it's good and it's fine Rishi, thank you very much. I think you have shared a lot and I felt it all. Mm. And it touched, I was touched by your words. And um, thank you. Thank you for yeah. being with us. Thank you for being so honest and open and open. Yeah. Um, and thank you for your insights and you know, especially on how to take charge of your life and i'm sure you're gonna be a fantastic butterfly <laughs> and i hope you will stay in touch you know and maybe in a in a few years months we'll have another episode with you in a different now as a butterfly you know in a new cocoon. you're right yeah. <laughs> i hopefully i'm still I'm still in another cocoon. There's something to something more to unravel, even then. Yeah, yeah. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks, Stefano. I appreciate the space.